Hi, I'm Andrew James Spooner, and you're listening to the FSF Podcast. The show that makes you wish we were a little more timey-wimey and a little less wibbly-wobbly. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewman number 104. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Dee, Brian, and Bria in their fight against the Skeksis, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his essence. Hmm. So our guest today, uh, who in his own words, because I'm stealing this directly from his own website, because I'm, <laughs> I'm lazy like this, his website says that he's a puppeteer, an actor, a voiceover artist, a dad, a Doctor Who fan, a science geek, an animation geek, a sci-fi and fantasy geek, and, well, a geek. Yeah. Ladies and germs, this sounds like our kind of guest, if you ask me. <laughs> so, everybody, let me uh, have the proud pleasure of welcoming Andrew James Spooner to the FSF Podcast. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. Very good. It's a bit late here, so I'm, you know, if I nod off halfway through, it's not you. <laughs> it's just I mean, I understand if it was, though. We'll no, just no, pause no. the interview for a couple seconds. We'll we'll you know send we'll alerts and then we'll yeah we'll we'll start back up. No big deal. I'd forgotten I put that all all on my website, so that's that's I should probably go and update it at some point. <laughs> I love when we pull bios off of people's websites and they're like, we haven't updated that in years. It's like well, <laughs> now's yeah. your chance. Now, yeah, there's no, your reminder. It's on the list. It's on, oh, the yeah. list. it's on the list. And the list is just never ending and. You keep adding things to the bottom of it. I, I, oh, yeah. Oh, every yeah. Day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andrew, speaking of going to yep. your website, I went to your mm -hmm. website and I was looking at all these different things. And and I'm telling you that because typically when we start off in these interviews, I, I've gotten into the custom of asking people about mm -hmm. their backgrounds. Very first thing, you know, how do they right. get to where they're at? What you know, how do they do what they do? All that kind of stuff. Um, and I would have done that on this interview. Oh. However... Uh, I saw something on your Spotlight profile because there was a link to go to your Spotlight profile from your website. Oh, God. Okay. And as I was reading that, I have to be honest, I misread it at first. But, <laughs> but because okay. of that, but because of my inability to read, we have to talk about this first. Okay. Uh, and now that I see it, I can't unsee it, but I can properly read it, that it Wait. doesn't say pole dancing. Uh, and in fact, oh. does say period dancing. Oh, So what I'm God. curious about is what is period dancing and does it involve a pole in any way? I love no. the more you talk, the more panicked he gets. I know. I, well, because I honestly, I haven't looked. I should have looked at my spot, spotlight page for a while, but I haven't. I've been concentrating on the website. Period dancing doesn't involve a pole. I'm not sure they did pole dancing back then in the Middle Ages, um, oh. unless it was jousting. And maypoles. I'm not quite too, yeah, oh, maypoles. There you go. Idiot. Um, but... <laughs> What 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 period dancing was is when I went to drama school in the nineties. Um, the the drama school I went to was Guildford School of Acting, and um, it was a three year course, <clears throat> and it, it it was a it was a course and a college that was really strong on musical theatre. Um, so what you did your first year is they had the musical theatre group and the acting group all in one great big group, and then at the end of the first year you would split off into your various specialities so the musical theater would go off and do musical theater and be all bright and dancey and you know sing show tunes and stuff and the actors would split off and we'd go and sit in a corner and smoke cigarettes and look depressed and wear polo necks and be unhealthy <laughs> and stuff like that um and what what what, what period dancing was was a um <laughs> there's a lot of costume drama in England and there's a lot of period dancing for some reason and what they did is those of us that clearly clearly had no dancing ability whatsoever in other words me and a few others were shuffled off into this thing called period dancing where you would just wander around holding people's hands and occasionally you know lowering and like that it was a bit like morris dancing <laughs> and you would do that for like three hours a week for no good reason other than they needed to get you out of the jazz and tap classes because you were causing a disruption by being so rubbish um <laughs> So that that's what period dancing was. So presumably I can still do it. It's in there somewhere, <laughs> kind of like sense memory. But I, I honestly haven't used it in my career. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's on there because quite frankly, it, it, when, when you're starting out, you will put anything on your CV. Uh, I've ridden a horse so I can ride a horse. I can ride a bike, uh, put that on there. I can swim, put that on there. I can eat, uh, put that on there. I can breathe, put that on there. Anything, anything. I so, wear shoes. Yes, yeah. I can buy I that. can wear shoes. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, so that's what period dancing was. And I can just Excellent. remember laughing a lot. <laughs> just how ridiculous we all looked in our tights and our t-shirts standing there going like this Malod bowing and then going around in a circle and then thinking what's for lunch I'm quite bored now uh, <laughs> yeah I yeah, forgot that I was, was on there <laughs> I was I was scrolling through the page and you know I'd gone through a lot of your other uh, the other you know all the things you just mentioned that were on there yeah and um I got down to that part and I was like pole dance wait what Wait. Oh, period dancing. No, that's, that seems like it's something completely different. I think I should ask him about this because I had no clue what it was. Well, I mean, I don't so. know. Transferable skills. Maybe I can turn it into a pole dancing career at some point if things get a bit dicey. Well, you know, I think the one hand up along the pole and then bowing courteously yeah, to other people, that you, count, yeah. you, you get it figured out. That's how we behave in England anyway. We do that when we're walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, you know what we're like. You know what we're like. Uh, excellent. Very stuffy. <laughs> okay, I got this. I don't got this. Sorry, I'm still just the tights and the t-shirt, and no, I'm I'm good. I've got photographs somewhere, but nobody will ever see them. Oh, <laughs> see, that's sad because my husband also says that there's photographs somewhere of him in tights, and I've never seen them either. Ah, okay. He's holding out on you. He is. It's, it's he probably is. for the best. Are it you really happily married? Is. Then good. It's for the don't, best. Don't don't go there. Don't he, go there. He, he was probably an extra in Robin Hood men in tights. Uh, it was Men in Tights related, yes. <laughs> Not the actual film, but the Renaissance Festival close to us. Ah, right. Okay. He's That's dark. a big thing over there, isn't John it? John and Tights. It is. He's running around. <laughs> and he's going to edit all of this out. Yes. With the, the internet internet does not need to know that I ever wore tights. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll have Nick edit this one just to be on the safe side. <laughs> be like, no, you can't save yourself from this. Ha. Huh. <laughs> exactly. So looking through your list of credits, it's Hi. incredible and happens to include one of my favorite movies ever that I actually watched today again. Oh, okay. Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> I love that movie, movie so much. Like, I love it so much that the first dance at my wedding was Love Let Us Here. Oh my goodness. Okay. Like, love that movie. My husband actually took the, the credits version, so the humans singing took the first chorus out, mm -hmm. put the Kermit and Piggy version in. Mm -hmm. So we start with the normal song and all of a sudden Kermit and Miss Piggy are singing mm -hmm. and everybody in our reception stopped and turned and did that Muppets? <laughs> yes. I'm, just, I'm leaning over because I'm grabbing something you might be interested in. Ooh. Okay, which is, I can get, where's the camera? I'll hold it up. That is a brass coin that was oh, given to all out. the crew members after we finished shooting that is so cool Muppet treasure island so it's got um, that is very you can see cool. it's got muppet treasure island written on okay there you go yeah that's cool there you go there you right go there. and yeah. on the back it says may the wind be always at your back thanks for everything brian and martin brian the director martin the producer oh that's 1995 cool. shepperton studios and I've, yeah no that that's pride of place on the desk at all times and also something i just found recently in the loft which is this which is doesn't look nearly as impressive but this is a cassette of the demos of the songs not cool. the not not the ones that were in the movie but the demos that they gave us all to listen to uh, when we were kind of just sitting around waiting for shots to come up, they would give us the demos so that, that we would learn the, the lip sync. And yeah. Stuff like that, so that when we went out onto the set, we didn't look like idiots. That so is need to, super cool. Yeah, I need to digitize that at some point because I've only just found it. That's but cool. Yeah. No, I, I, that was a great experience. I mean, it was really my first big job, really. I'd, I'd been out of drama school for about a year. Um, and I'd done... Right. Okay. Do, do you need context? Let's give you context. When I was sure, at drama we love school, context. Um, I was at drama school. I suddenly realized I love performing, but I hated being in front of people, which is a bit of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Um, and being a kid that had grown up in the seventies, you know, my whole life was about Doctor Who, Star Wars, Muppets, um, all, all, all that stuff. So I thought, well, you know, puppets, I was always vaguely interested in it. And in my last year at drama school, I wrote 
a letter to the Henson Creature Shop, which was in Camden in London at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't too far from where I was. And it was just, pure, it was one of those things. It was just pure luck that I wrote at the right time. They, without, I didn't know this at the time, but what they were doing is they were looking for more puppeteers because Muppet Treasure Island was coming up. And a lot of the people they worked with before on things like uh, Christmas Carol and movies prior had moved on to do other things. Mm-hmm. So they ne- needed to find a whole load of people. So I wrote to them. And I got invited to go and do an audition. Um, this was 94. So I went along and did the first audition. And the first audition, they literally just lined you, got, lined you up and got you to count 10 with your hand. And I'll do it here. I'm trying to figure out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, now everybody that just, everybody that went seven with two syllables got picked. Everybody that went seven got kicked out the door in that first Ooh. audition because I guess they're just looking for people that have an instinct for it. And seven has two syllables. So you go seven. Um, so I got through the first audition and then I went back for two weeks and we did kind of like a, a Muppet boot camp um, where I think there was, there was probably about 15 or 20 of us to begin with. Um, and at the end of each day, end of each day they would, read off a list of people that had made it through to the next day so it was horrifically scary it was a bit like you know the x factor or pop idol or something like that and then i got through to the second week much to my surprise (laughs) and that last week there was eight of us um and we did like really really intense kind of uh puppet skill training and improvisation and all that kind of stuff because the big thing with Henson's uh, was that all the puppeteers provide the voices for the characters, obviously, uh, but also that there's an improvisational element to it. You've got to be able to create things. And they basically, basically they're looking for strong actors mm-hmm. as well, uh, uh, which is not something that people really think about sometimes with puppetry. Um, and I got through. I got through that last week. And really from that point, which was about mid-94, I started working for them on and off. Nothing, nothing major. Um, and I was very, very low on the list. <laughs> you know, if somebody got food poisoning or was ill, they'd get me in and I'd be a left foot or a right arm on a commercial or something like that. And then about a year later, <laughs> I was doing a theatre and education tour of Romeo and Juliet in North Wales. And that's about as grim as it sounds. It was pretty <laughs> grim. It was the middle of winter. It was Wales. It was Romeo and Juliet in front of a bunch of Welsh kids that really didn't want to come. <laughs> Um, and halfway through that, I got a call saying, well, you know, we, we're starting Muppet, we're starting Muppet Treasure Island. Do, do you think that was the bit that made me laugh? Do you think you could spare a week? And I was like, oh, well, I'll just check my diary. Yes, I can spare a week. And I literally finished the Romeo and Juliet tour on the Friday, drove from Wales back down to my parents' house in southern England. And then I was on Shepparton, Shepparton Studios the following Monday for a week. Uh, and in that first week, we shot all the stuff where uh, Kermit, Captain Smollett, arrives in a, ho- uh, in a horse and carriage um, at, at the boat. And I was just happy to be there. My character was way off in the background. You couldn't really see him until the high def version came out. <laughs> and finally, I could see what I was doing 30 years later. Um, and I was just like, you know, th- this is great. I've had a week. Um, I was really only expecting to be there for a week. And um, at the end of that week, I was heading home and the production manager kind of collared me on the way out and said, Andrew, can I have a word with you? And me being me, I was just like, "Okay, what have I done wrong? Um, um, And he grabbed me and then said, well, you know, do you you think you'd be again? Do you think you'd be available for about (laughs) seven or eight weeks work? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so I was essentially on it all the way through. Um, and it was my training. It was it was really where it was kind of my my, my real boot camp for puppetry skills, because I great you know I started off in the background doing very very minor things, and then Kevin Clash, who was the puppet coordinator, put me with Frank Oz for a week. Frank Oz only came over for a week to do like key scenes with um, Fozzie and Piggy. Because mm-hmm. um, he, he at that point he was just starting to kind of back away um, from the Muppets okay. a little bit, but I, I basically assisted Frank for two weeks, I think it was in the end, um, and I remember he didn't speak to me at all for the first day, and I was like, <laughs> okay, and I just tried to keep up, 
Um, and then the second day I kind of kind of wigged out because I was very young. I was 20, 21, something like that. I was like, I don't think he likes me. And they were like, he likes you because if, if he didn't, you wouldn't be here. He would have got rid of you <laughs> after half an hour. Um, but then after that, we, we, we got chatting and he, he was really, really sweet. And I think there is some footage on the DVD or the Blu-ray of me assisting Frank um, and uh, dotted around. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was seminal for me. I kind of judge every other jo job by that experience because I had such an amazing sure. time. Uh, right. with an amazing group of people right at the tail end really of that and I'm going to choose my words carefully here proper Henson ownership of the Muppets mm -hmm. um, I kind of for me those those two movies are kind of the perfect Muppet movies I like the the the, the originals like Muppet movie and uh, Muppets Take Manhattan and stuff but those two I feel they found like the perfect formula for them, like the historic. I remember sitting on set with people going, what do you think they'll do next? Oh, they should do Muppets Three Musketeers. They should do Muppets Robin mm. Hood. They should do something like this. And we, we all kind of thought that was where it was going to go. But then they disappeared off to the States and did Muppets in Space, which from what I know, I wasn't involved in that was a, a bit of a mess. <laughs> uh, I've never actually seen it, <laughs> to tell you the it's, truth. It's a bit brutal. <laughs> yeah i know and i know it's got some uh, some funny moments in it because i've seen them but um yeah and and so that yeah that 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 was kind of my first big job as a puppeteer and of course as soon as you've got that on your cv um certainly as a puppeteer that kind of opens all, all kinds of doors for you right. so yeah 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 that's no i loved it and I, I love oh gosh i've got this other story i was telling somebody about it the other day after the shoot finished i went on a holiday and then I came back and they said, can you come back to the um, production office? Because uh, your crew jacket's ready. We all got crew jackets, Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island crew jackets. I've got it upstairs somewhere. And um, I was like, okay. And I turned up um, and Brian was there. Um, and he said, oh, Andrew, do you want to come out to lunch? And I was like, ah, I'd, I'd love to, but I've got to get the car back because my girlfriend needs it. She's got a thing. She's going out with some friends and she needs the car this afternoon. And he was like, oh, I was just going to go out um have lunch with Hans and I was like what and then he and he went anyway I'll see you and he walked out and Hans Zimmer's outside <laughs> and oh, he no. walks off with Hans and that that choice and I and I drove back home and I said to my girlfriend I just got invited out for lunch by Brian Henson the Hans Zimmer and I had to come back to give you the car and she was like why did you do that I would have let you go and I was like well I didn't know that at the time you were like really strict you said no you've got to come back with the car so I'm, I came back with the car so I mean I, I don't think my career would have changed much but I would have had that experience <laughs> of having exactly. lunch with Brian and Hans Zimmer who yeah he's obviously nobody knows who he is now he's uh, he's uh, some film composer guy yeah nobody's really ever no, heard of him no, no. so That's while I was thinking about Muppet Treasure Island today the mm. he's a Muppet puppeteer and I'm like does that make him a Muppeteer because I feel like that should be the actual term for it. Well, it is, but it's it's weird because it's not one that I think you can self-apply. <laughs> mm. I think I think I think if people call you that, then that's fine. Um, I never thought of myself that way. I just thought puppeteer um, until I did a show probably about four years ago called the Furchester Hotel. We did four Which seasons. Which is a fantastic of show. Oh, have you seen it? You know it. I have. Oh, I have right. a little kid. <laughs> oh okay okay and well i, I, I played a character but... well of course he did it's muppets he's, he's not gonna watch muppets and um i played a character in that again it was one of those stories where i wasn't expecting to get it but i did and i played a character called fergus who's elmo's uncle mm -hmm. so i immediately became canon which i was very pleased about <laughs> um and also it was really it was the one and only time i've played a lead character in a you know sesame street stroke henson thing mm -hmm. um and people started calling me Muppeteer when we were doing publicity for that. And I was like, yeah, I, th I think I've earned it <laughs> at this point, yeah. even though it was like 20 years after Muppet Treasure Island and I'd done other stuff, but I would never self-apply it. <laughs> it was, it, it, it just kind of hit me today with the, I'm like, because they're Muppets, not puppets, that would make them Muppeteers, not puppeteers. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it's, it is a word that people use for them in the fan world. But as I said, That's yeah, awesome. no, I, I, I never use it on myself. That, that, that feels a bit... <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> and it's funny to me, too, too saying that 
I mean, talking about Muppet Treasure Island with as much as I love it, I told mm. my brother who I was talking to today, he's like, ask him what it's like to be on one of the second or to be on the second worst Muppets movie. And I'm like, whoa. Up yours, mate. Whoa. Up I'm yours. Like, no, check that I don't know who you door. are, but you can <laughs> go away, shove it where the sun don't shine, buddy. Um, and this is, I... this is the part of the episode I'm going to be like, Fred, listen to this. Sorry, you're going to have to bleep all of that out, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I don't oh, know no, who that that's person is. That who was stays. it again? Who was it? Who was it? Was it was my who older brother. It? Well, he. What's his name? Fred. Fred. Stupid Fred. name. Stupid name for a start. Um, <laughs> no. It, it, it's one of those things where at the time I think that, right. The problem you've got. Are you okay? You're not dying. Oh, good. Yeah, we're good. You're right, Nick. Um, <sighs> the problem you've got is like without a doubt, Christmas Carol is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't, you just, everything about it is perfect and magical. And there was a lot of pressure on them because that was the first big project project they did after Jim died. Um, So I think there was a lot of love. It was kind of a love letter to everything that he stood for. Um, So anything that come, thank God it wasn't Muppets in Space, but anything that came after that was always going to be judged up against that. Now, when, when the movie came out, I will say that when I first saw it, I liked it, but it felt like it sagged a bit in the middle. And I still think that. But having mm-hmm. said that, over the years, I've definitely had people say to me when they fa- found out that I worked on it, oh, that, that, yeah, that's my favorite one. Or that's my yeah. second favorite one. Or that, whatever. It's definitely one that's kind of, I think, matured over the years and found its audience. I think at the time, everybody was just like, well, that's no Christmas Carol. Well, no, no, it isn't. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an action adventure movie which is exactly what Christmas Carol isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a very different thing. Um, and I wish, I just wish, I wish they carried on with those historicals or taking a work of, you know, literature and turning it into, we were talking about this, a mate, mate, mate of mine the other day, going, oh, Muppets Mad Max Fury Road. I was like, yes, come on. With, 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 with um, Animal as the guitarist. <laughs> With a flamethrower, <laughs> come on! I mean, you it's know, never going to happen. But, this is you know. right up our alley because the number of times that we have said that we need to recast movies with Muppets. Oh, I do that on in my our head show, all the time. Repeatedly. All the time. No, I'm like, Dune. if I was going to do this, who would be? We were going to recast Dune. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> wow. Obviously, Kermit's Paul Atreides because he's the serious one, and, and the only person that gets to stay in the movie as the human. Uh, I think didn't we say it was going to be Sting's character? Mm-hmm. And he had metal, but he had to wear the metal underwear for the entire movie. Okay. So, <laughs> who would be Baron Harkonnen? Oh, come on, that's a difficult one. I've got okay. Come back to this. I'm going to let. I got to find my notes and pull my notes. I think it was from Sam this. the Eagle. <laughs> that would be amazing. I that think you're right. Amazing. I think I think you're right. It was going to be um, Sam. And I like the 80s. I'm going there. I like the Lynch movie as well. I, there's a lot about the Lynch movie that I really like. I love the new one. But I yeah. found myself sitting in the cinema going, do you know what? The big takeaway from this is that David Lynch got really close to something special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got so close. But it never, it didn't quite gel. And, you know, Toto. Come on, guys. Toto? Why? <laughs> We've got this big epic sci-fi sprawl. Who are we going to get to do the soundtrack? Toto. <laughs> okay well why not jefferson starship while you're at it but, mm. they assumed it was you know africa they blessed the rains you know <laughs> some of the greatest lyrics ever written <laughs> it was almost a spit take <laughs> <laughs> yeah almost sorry oh you're no, right. that's, that's perfect my, uh, well done there you go that's my furchester hotel oh check that out there you thing. go yeah we get it's rubbish <laughs> it's, it's the stuff they give us at the end and go yeah thanks for work yeah, have a cup that's okay. <laughs> hey, you got you got a paycheck and you got a, a cup to take away. I did. So I did. Not so bad. So I think I found the connection for your um, period dancing was holding your arm up forever. Okay. Which oh, okay. you with yes. the whole puppet thing. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Built up the stamina. Okay. At least you're yeah. not Big Bird because that gets that gets exhausting. It does. I, I did a live show uh, a couple of years ago. We did, uh, based on the Furchester, we did a live show um, at like, this kiddie festival. And um, the show was half an hour, half an hour long. And the, unfortunately, because limitations of the set, the, the, the puppets were fairly static. Half an hour with a puppet on your arm isn't too bad if you're running around and moving 
and and shifting about and stuff but half an hour of just standing there like that mm-hmm. is it's a nightmare I'm, i remember one of the last shoot days on the furchester we had to do lots of com- like interstitials and stuff and commercials and stuff that was going to go on youtube so it was really just a day of us standing behind the desk and i was dead by the end of it at my my arm was just was shot and it you know i can feel it now i've got problems with my shoulder now just from years of doing that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. um i'm old so you know what are you gonna do you earned it <laughs> I did. It's my it's my war wound. <laughs> there you so, go. I can imagine some of the complexity it would be working with a puppet. Um, mm. I've seen some of the behind the scene footages of like different various puppeteer type movies, like Dark Crystal and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike the behind the scenes, which are usually mostly serious, do you have a favorite behind the scene moment, whether it was funny, hysterical, or heartwarming? I've got so many, but none of them are broadcastable. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the problem is, <laughs> yes, I've, uh, having been involved in various hints and things over the years, I've seen the outtakes and they're not PG-13. Um, they're um, uh, slightly more adult in nature because you get tired <laughs> and you try to keep the energy going and people do silly things. And um, funnily enough, one of the things that ha- happens with puppets is there's you you improvise you 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 muck around takes a long time i will tell you this one story i've not i don't think i've ever told it It, there were these two like tiki heads um in a in on on the island there was two and there was one set behind it or it was one or one set i was doing the one behind brian was doing the one in front and you know you're, you're just sitting there for hours just sitting there and we just started talking i can't remember what we were talking about yeah morning morning Busy day. Yeah, busy day. What are you doing? Well, I'm just going to stand here. Yeah, I'm just going to stand here too. Be nice to move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly halfway through, he went, I've just realized, Brian said, I've just realized he can't turn around to look at you. He doesn't even know that you're there. I think he might just think that you're a voice in his head. (laughs) (laughs) Kill yourself. I don't want to kill myself. Kill yourself. I don't want to. You you just do this. This is the the improvisation training and stuff like that. And we've got loads of stories like this. And part of what Brian has been doing recently with Puppet Up, um, the improvisation show that he does, which is a bit like, um, you know, whose line is it anyway, but with puppets, is try and bring some of that energy that he saw in those gaps bet- between when somebody says cut an action. Because uh, stuff just happens because you muck about. You, you, you really muck about all the time. I mean, I had so much fun at Muppet Treasure Island we would just talk to people. They would kind of just ignore us because we're under the set, but they would lock <laughs> eyes with the puppet. And I've, I've had full conversations with Tim Curry, but I don't think he would recognize me. <laughs> now, obviously not like 30 years later. And, and that was the other thing about that job, just spending you know eight weeks just watching Tim Curry work was just such a master. I was such a huge fan of his because I'm a drama student. And in the UK as a drama student, you have to love the Rocky Horror Show. It's in the contract. You have Who to like the Rocky love- Horror Show and the Blues Brothers for some reason. It was those two in the eighties. Mm. <laughs> um, so just being on set with him and listening to him sing because he did a lot of his vocals live. Um, there's one song in the middle, "Professional Pirate," and I'm one of the pirates dancing around in front of him. That took probably three or four days to shoot, and just sitting there and just just looking up, and going, "It's Tim, it's Tim Curry." <laughs> you know, it was just I was, I was yeah, I was in seventh heaven. It was a it was a great job, but in terms of okay stories, I I did a show called Brum, um, uh, which was a kids show done by a company called Ragdoll. Ragdoll, uh, probably more famous for creating Teletubbies, <laughs> but they had this show about a little yellow car, little animatronic car that goes on adventures. That was a show I worked on for a couple of years, and we did a lot of work with kids with terminal illnesses who would come on set and interact with the car. And I spent an afternoon with this girl who was probably about six, five, six, who had terminal cancer, who didn't have long to live. And the beautiful thing about puppets is, especially with an animatronic puppet like that, is that you can step back. It's radio controlled and the kid doesn't see you. And she just she just interacted with it and we would play off her and she would pat it and we'd nod and then she would chase after him and giggle and stuff. And I, I just loved being able to bring that little moment of joy to her in what must have been a, a very painful life. She was she had a oxygen tank and all kinds of things. 
stuff like that you, you, you sometimes you feel i think in this business that you're doing something stupid and a little bit silly and just for your own amusement but then you see something like that and you go no 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 i'm doing something valid i'm bringing a moment's happiness to this kid you know um yeah that that was a that was a really touching moment yeah yeah awesome thank and thank you for doing that by the way don't cry No, that's that's very touching. I have a, a chronically ill daughter who was in the hospital for a, an extended period of time, and we had uh, uh, Star Wars cosplayers come in and spend time with her, and we had superhero cosplayers come in and spend time with her and, and do all these different things. And so uh, those those moments are, are very, very uh, heart not only heartwarming but but uplifting, not only to the patient but to the families as well. So thank you for doing things it's like that. Bittersweet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. You, you you can see their eyes light up. Exactly. It's that suspension of disbelief that kids can do and geeks, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> We're really good at that. Hey, you know what? Darth Vader walked into into my daughter's room. I don't care if it was the real Darth Vader or if it was just a guy who was doing this for the fun of it with a you know, with a recording box on his chest so he could sound like he was breathing <laughs> like Darth Vader. You know, for that couple moments, he was Darth Vader and you know, it, was, it means it was everything, kind of right? I still exactly. question why they send Darth Vader to the children's hospital. <laughs> I, it's it's very questionable that he was at, not just the children's hospital, but we were in the ICU in the children's hospital, and here comes you know Darth Vader. I'm like, do you not watch the movies? <laughs> anybody call him Master Vader? <laughs> yeah, don't think yeah. about it too deep. <laughs> Master yeah, Skywalker, what that. do we do? You get out of the ICU and you run, kid. That's what you do. You run. Yeah, run away yeah, from yeah. Suddenly you're healed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, no, I remember when when you sent pictures of Vader coming to visit Kendall, and I'm like... It was problematic. (laughs) (laughs) You're problematizing. It's not a problem. The kid was happy. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, we had a blast with it while it was there. Even my daughter mentioned it later that she goes, that's kind of a problem in the Star Wars world. I'm like, yeah, it is. So... Let's yeah. send the child murderer into don't, the children's don't, don't hospital. Don't think about it. Don't don't think about it. Don't, don't, <laughs> la, 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 exactly. la, la. <laughs> Smile and nod. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, you had mentioned yep. publicly uh, that you have professed your love for Doctor Who. It's on your website, oh, so I can God. say it's public yeah, and you've yeah. professed it. Yeah. He's British. Um, of course he loves even, Doctor Who. Even hey. if your website needs an <laughs> updating, it's been professed. Uh but you've also had the opportunity to have your voice included in the expanded Doctor Who universe uh, through some of the big finish recordings. Um, and, and so my question for you, for you is, mm. because I, I'm looking at this as I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. Mm. I That's my favorite universe. That's where my, I, my nerd flag flies. Mm-hmm. So, But for you, uh, even though you were recording at home during COVID restrictions, and I think, mm-hmm. as you put it, the internet was out to get you, during the recordings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes yeah <laughs> what what did it mean to you to be involved in doctor who oh, it, was, it was nuts um i i've been so lucky with big finish um i've done 10 or 11 um various projects for them now um i've also done um star cops which was a show that ran over here for one season which i urge anybody who likes sci-fi and that kind of sci-fi to watch because it was written by by one of the writers of um blake seven and it's great it's a police procedural but in in space okay. i also did uh oh a time slip which which was another franchise from over here uh but yeah actually the first doctor who i did for them what well, it was pre-covid it was a sylvester mccoy one um and yeah uh i I was it was i was lucky that it was a director i knew because i think i would have freaked out because doctor who to kids of a certain age people like me who grew up in the 70s so tom baker is my doctor you know it's just it's it's just looms on the landscape it's just it's it's huge uh even after star wars came out you know star wars was a big thing of course it was but doctor who at that period of, of its run was probably on the tv most saturdays during the year it probably took six weeks off in the summer or something like that so it was in your living room every saturday after the sports show um and i i just loved it i love the character i love the ideas i love the tardis just seemed to me to be the best spaceship in the world still think it is want one want one now um so having this opportunity to i'd always wanted to be a big finish and try and do something but it had never worked out and then just by chance a, 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 one of the directors was an actor that i've worked with on a pilot for disney um and he i was a puppet character and he was an actor in it and he just had this uh, um 
project it was called what was it called the psychic circus and it's a sequel to the greatest show in the galaxy which was a sylvester mccoy show and um he was like there's lots of little tiny characters in this i need and they can't afford you know huge casts so what they need is actors that can do different voices different accents that kind of thing and that's kind of my wheelhouse um so he called me in um and suddenly i'm there um and i'm in a studio with sylvester mccoy <laughs> and slightly freaking out um and i played a god of ragnarok at one point and i got to say um what was that what was the line uh you shall be destroyed doctor you know you shall be destroyed doctor and i was just like the happiest person <laughs> on the face <laughs> of the earth because as a kid growing up that was the line i wanted <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was why I became an actor because <laughs> I wanted to say that line at some point um and yeah and and because they I, I got on with them and they seemed to like me then I went on and I did um uh, a Colin Baker one uh, at this point COVID had hit um and uh, I've done a couple of Tom Baker ones now unfortunately he wasn't present for the recordings he did all of his stuff separately but even so when I got the final copy through and I heard my voice opposite Tom Baker's it was just like ah, goosebumps on the back of my neck because right. he's just such a huge personality um, in my life as, as a kid that grew up in the 70s. And, you know, the stuff that and the stuff that Big Finish have been, you know, producing all the way through the high, kind of hiatus when Doctor Who went off the air right up to the reboot in what, 2005, something like that. Yeah, it's really high quality and really good writing. So being involved in it was just like, nuts just absolutely nuts and i'm you know forever grateful that i had that 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 opportunity because it was a real pinch me moment i did also i did um i, I had another experience very similar to that recently and i can talk about it now even though it's been sitting on the shelf for like three years when i got the opportunity to be in um the lego star wars uh, game the skywalker saga yeah. And just, you know, having to sit on that for, I think I sat on that knowledge for like two and a half, three years before I could tell anybody. And I'm all over, again, I'm all over that game. It's like people say, who are you in it? And I'm like, I honestly couldn't tell you at this point. I'm a Gungan. I'm a, 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 a an Imperial officer. I'm a rebel officer. I'm because that that's kind of my wheelhouse. It's accents, voices. And I think the reason I got that job is because they were desperately looking for people that could do Gungan do the do the the the, the kind of Jar Jar Binks thing and I, I, for some reason I could do it really easily so <laughs> I got the it's job. It's a hard voice to do. It I, is. I Nick it's wants also, to challenge you to a Gungan off. A Gungan off. I can't I can't I can't remember any me some are not my problem in moi moi something like that. He wins. He wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too Jar Jar Binks. I think the character I had to do was slightly gruffer. Because <laughs> I obviously don't want to sound it like it wasn't, wasn't Jar Jar. But yeah, just, and also, oh yeah, uh, they did a, uh, on the game, there's a, um, a secret uh, that you can unlock where it's all in mumble mode. Because I think the original trailers, they the characters didn't speak. They just mumbled. They go, oh, ooh, ooh. and the fans were like, we want a version of the game that we can play like that. So I went in and had to mumble Yoda, Qui-Gon. <laughs> Han Solo, you know, uh, uh, and it's harder than you think trying to capture the essence of a character in a mumble. Yoda was easy. But, you know, what's the difference between Han and Qui-Gon when they're, when they're mumbling? I, I, I don't know. But yeah, again, that was another pinch me moment because it's like this huge union. I was a massive Star Wars fan as a kid, obviously growing up in the 70s. It was everything, especially right. in the UK where we had a, a massive run up before it released because i don't I, I don't think it got released in the uk until six or so six months or so after it had been out in the states because oh, okay. there was a massive lead time in those days so we, we had all of the magazines we had all of the adverts on the telly and it was just this ramping up of excitement and then you know eventually went to see it and was just like okay that's i want to do that for the rest of my life what i'm not sure <laughs> but whatever that is yeah <laughs> I, want, I want to do that and now a word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, 
or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. Welcome back to the FSF Popcast. So talking a little bit about Doctor Who, you mm. mentioned Tom Baker being your your doctor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Tom Baker is also my mom's favorite doctor. Mm -hmm. My mom and my dad are who got me into Doctor Who when it right. revamped in 2005. Yeah. Which was hilarious because it was the, we had BBC America. They were premiering the Rose episode. My dad's like, oh, you guys are going to love this. We need to sit down and watch this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> got about halfway through the episode like the the mid commercial break where i'm like what is this <laughs> yeah this yeah. is this is that. the worst like the cgi is horrendous why is there mm -hmm. a plastic dumpster what is going on with yeah. this evil plastic dumpsters mm. end of the episode it was the okay so where do i get more I oh really this. i oh, need it, this in it my got life you by the end oh okay. it got me by the end of the episode with the okay i need more of this in my life and so it's kind of cool to figure out the no you got you got into it as a kid with tom baker and i'm trying to get my daughter introduced to it but she's almost four so the right, the 2005 right. and on series is a little bit too scary for her mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. we might have to go back and watch some of the classic who with her yeah, I always say that the the thing about Doctor, Doctor Who, especially with kids over here, is that you have the one that you grew up with, mm -hmm. and then especially for kids my age growing up, then you have the one that you discover on VHS that you maybe didn't see. And for me, that was always Patrick Troughton. He mm. he just I, just I wish there were more episodes that had survived because I love his performance, and it's the first kind of classic Doctor performance. He brought all that kind of humor into it and you know stuffing things in his pockets there's a wonderful yeah. scene in one of them where he's being chased by cybermen and they've got him cordoned off in a corridor they, uh, in a street and they're coming down both and he just sits down and starts playing patience with cards on the floor and i'm like that's a super doctory thing that we kind of take for granted now but he invented all of that mm -hmm. i don't think he quite gets the credit for that because william hartnell was just playing him as a grumpy slightly irascible old man that was you know morally dubious <laughs> at times he did some weird stuff and then suddenly there's this almost lovable character um and as for the the reboot i i really wasn't on board for about the first three i don't know what it was i think i had the same thing that you did it was like killer bins are you kidding we've been, we've been waiting all these years and we get killer bins <laughs> um and then the second one i remember being better but I was like, but the first one that kind of grabbed me, I think it was the third, third or fourth, was was a period piece written by Mark Gatiss, was set in a in a funeral parlor, and it was kind of I can't remember what it was called now. The Charles since. Dickens episode with the ghosts. Yes, yes, and I was kind of like, oh, oh, this is this is this is the okay, they've got it. Mm -hmm. and I, was, I kind of locked into it at that point. And my favorite, I I've always had this hankering to have a Doctor Who episode where he lands somewhere. And, and I don't I don't know if they've ever done this, but he he solves whatever the mystery is. But there's no supernatural space or science fiction element. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I know he just because he's so smart, almost like a Sherlock Holmes episode. Really, uh, I think they probably won't do that because they have to have the sci-fi element. But I always thought it'd be great if he just landed somewhere and just solved whatever the problem was because he's so super smart, and there's no sci-fi element other than him, really. Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a show that I love to this day. To this day, uh, we all have our favorite periods that we like. We we all have bits that we're like, yeah, it wasn't quite for me at that point. Um, but I've stuck with it through thick and thin. And yeah, I just it's my go-to. It's mm -hmm. my comfort. It's my comfort food. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Definitely. So we have a Facebook group that has over two hundred thousand members in it. Wow. Okay. Now. It is just filled with memes. It is mixed of this universe and this universe. It's just memes galore. So you've just been sucked into a time warp and you've okay. been transformed into a puppet. <laughs> Which planet did you end up on? I've been transformed into a puppet. What puppet? Or just a puppet? Which puppet do you want to be? Oh, 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 animal. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent animal. Because at least I can defend myself. Um, <laughs> what planet? Oh my goodness! From any uh, universe, Doctor Who, or whatever. <laughs> I'm. You might have to pause here, listeners, and go off and make a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, English, make a cup of tea. Make a cup of tea and have some biscuits. Um oh uh, I don't know. Actually. I that's really interesting because I've always said that if I was to retire somewhere, I'd like to retire in Middle Earth, but I don't think that really counts as a planet. So um sure it does. Really? Does that count? Yeah. It's technically technically it's a it's an alternative history of Earth, isn't it? So I obviously yeah, want still to retire planet, want to retire and live in a hobbit hole. But now I'm regretting being animal because that would be the worst place for animals. <laughs> Can you imagine animal just lent you Living dropped in the into the middle of a bunch of hobbits? So he would just bored. kill them. He, he would, would be kill so them. bored. <laughs> we yell at him for being loud and it just makes him mad. Oh, poor animal. Do you know what? I will go for somewhere like one of the planets from oh, Giddy Prime. Does that mean anything to you? Okay. Well, it's I want to say yes. It's the Harkonnen planet from Dune. Okay. Only oh, because okay. I'm desperate to find out. Uh, again, big fan of the David Lynch um, movie. The, the the atmospherics and the world he created for the Harkonnens in that I think is, is deeply scary, <laughs> and and deeply dark and industrial okay. and horrible. And I think Animal would probably do quite well there. <laughs> he wouldn't be intimidated by anybody um, I, I think the reason I picked that is because having read Dune when I was quite young and watched the movie it's the first time I read something and something felt truly alien you watch something like Star Wars and this isn't belittling it in any way but it's like oh there's an ice place there's a forest place there's a snow place um, they're all recognisable um, in terms of the cultures that are there you're like oh okay I get it the, the stuff in Dune, though, especially the books, is so, I don't want to say impenetrable, but so strange and alien. And I always felt Lynch caught that really well, and certainly Villeneuve has caught that well in the new movie. And I find that fascinating. I, I, I'd probably go somewhere in the Dune universe, because I think for, like, me, it would just be, I'd be like, I'm completely out of my depth here. Mm -hmm. It's All a completely right. strange and alien culture, and I need to get to grips with it. So there you go. Let's go with Geedy Prime. That's a weird good choice. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I've never really thought about that. So there you go. There you go. All <laughs> right, Andrew. We're at a stage of our, our our little conversation here where we like to take our guests through a bit of a quiz. Oh God, no! I don't know anything. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out whether you do or not. Now, uh, we we call we're calling this quiz "Find the Whovian." Okay, no, I still won't know because even though I know the show, <laughs> I don't read the novels. I just watch the show. <laughs> okay, go for I it. Think, I think you'll oh. be okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've got four questions. Mm -mm. They're all multiple choice. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, if you get three of the four questions right, we want to send you this book right here. It's called Custodians of the Cosmos. Oh, it's great. written by our, our uh, Facebook group founder, Drayton Allen. And uh, it's it's all about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Starfleet, but not Starfleet, you know, litigious reasons. And um, <laughs> and uh, he washed out. But when he did rejoin as a custodian, because he wanted to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. So uh, if you get three of the questions right, we're going to send you that book. OK, if you only get two of the questions right, though. Remember that Facebook group that Nick was just talking to you about with all the memes? We take mm -hmm. your picture, we make a meme out of you, oh, and we God. put you in our Facebook group. We call it our fun sequence. Okay. Let's go. Okay? Yeah. I'm all right. anxious now. All right, Nick, lead us off. Professors Yana and Thascalus were aliases used by which villain? The Master, the Ood, or the Beast? I'm going to go with the Master. You are correct. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> Professor Yana was in the the You Are Not Alone. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Sorry. okay. I'm not a nerd. Okay. No, 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 yeah, no. not a nerd at all. <laughs> what enemy do the Doctor and Rose face mm -hmm. in the episode Rose? The Daleks. Oh, uh, the Autons, or the Cybermen? Autons. Autons. That is correct. All right, oh, you're two for two. Thing. The nesting okay. the nesting when the, consciousness. Yes. 
When the doctor meets Amelia Pond, what is it that he eats and actually likes? Bread and butter, fingers and mash, or fish fingers and custard? Fish fingers and custard. You are correct. I say bangers and mash. Like you don't know what it is, Nick. Three. What? what, You don't know what bangers and mash is? Sausages and potatoes, dude. It's not hard. All right, that's that's three, Andrew. That gets you the book, my friend. Oh, thank goodness. I don't want to be memed. And this one is just for funsies. Four, number four, just for fun. Oh, go for it. What episode did River Song first appear in? Silence in the Library, Once Upon a Time, or School Reunion? School Reunion was Sarah Jane Smith. What was the other one? Once Upon a... Once Upon a Time. I can't remember that one, so I'm going with Silence in the Library. You, you are correct. Much like Donna Noble, have been saved. Oh, that's all four. You smashed my quiz. <sighs> okay, I was really quite anxious about that. <laughs> <laughs> See, we like scaring our guests and then yeah. not actually having it be as scary as they think it's going to be. Okay, okay, maybe I'm more of a geek than I thought. That would have been scary <laughs> to me. I'd have failed it. So, okay, <laughs> that's because you've watched like two episodes of Doctor Who ever. Three. Thank you very much. I was started my fourth the other day. I didn't get through it, but we're getting there. <laughs> oh. I'm working on it. Ones, but... <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and about your work? Oh, okay. Um, well, obviously, there's the website, um, andrewjamespooner.com, which I will update <laughs> at some point and maybe take uh, uh, not pole dancing. <laughs> not pole dancing. It's period uh, dancing. Period dancing. <laughs> Take that. <sighs> um, so yeah, andrewjamespooner.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as at the only spoon. The only spoon. There we Perfect. Go. There we go. Oh, thank you so much, Andrew. We're going to definitely put those in our description so that our viewers and our listeners can find you. Wow. So, yeah, All right. It's been fun. Didn't talk yeah. about my voiceover stuff or anything. I should do that one day. We should. I should come back and talk about that. We would love we that. We can totally do that. Mm-hmm. We, we got also are... by Muppets. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. There's that, a lot yeah, of talk about enough. there. That's fair enough. We also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help ensure that we get more amazing guests to have these conversations like Andrew James Spooner here today uh, to be able to have these funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps us more than you can ever really know. And go to Andrew's website. Even if he's going to take off the poll, I mean, period dancing <laughs> off of his website, it's still worth a check. But if for whatever reason you are not happy with our show today, please feel to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. And that, of course, is the Daleks. These little rolling towers of hate are willing to exterminate at a moment's notice. So be prepared and have a properly filled out complaint form as the Daleks have no patience for mankind and could easily consider you the offending party. But if your form is complete, consider the job done. Mm -hmm. Ruthlessly efficient, they will get the job done, no matter how many humans get in the way. Well, thanks again for being on the show. I was just thinking, I've actually been killed by a Dalek in one of the big finishes. So that's, <laughs> I've already got a grudge against him. Also, I've been killed by an alien in Alien as well. That was, that was the big the, finish. The audible, uh, one of the audible. So I'm, I'm right up there with Bill Paxton, who got killed by a predator, a Terminator, and an alien, right? Is that right? The actor Bill so I need to get a predator. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I need this time. And then I've take that off the list. And then I'll be up there with Bill Paxton. There you go. Awesome. All right. That's our show. All right, guys. That's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Goodbye. Ciao. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF podcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.